good afternoon. I had to look right there. You can't see it, but back there in the booth, there's a big screen, and there's, a, there's some information that tells me where we're at, and it says it's 12.04. So, uh, good afternoon. We are writing the first sentences in a new chapter of the book, and I'm glad that you're here today to do that, and one good thing about coming to this second service is you were able to find the seat you wanted. Now, if you're like me, I'm one of those kind of guys that I, 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 I you know, I, I don't mind a crowd as long as I'm not in it. I'm, I'm one of those introverts, and so I, 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 would, I like to come in and find a seat with nobody around and have, be able to sit down and spread out. So enjoy that today because in a few weeks, this service too won't look like this, but it looks really good today. In fact, uh, in the first service, uh, Don Prim and I were talking and he said, Pastor, this is a great crowd. And I said, man, there's a few years ago we would have jumped up and down to have the crowd that was in here this morning on Easter. So today to have... To have you and us, all of us, joining together uh, in these two services is a really a fun and amazing thing. I'm very excited. And you say, well, we've got some room for growth, Pastor. That's okay. This, you know, I, can't, I can't reiterate with Brother Brian about not liking the early folks because i got to admit, I like those folks. But I will say that we have our job cut out for us. We, are, we have plenty of room to bring our friends, and they're going to be coming here in the next couple of weeks. And so we, we started here early in August to make sure that we could work out all the kinks from going to, to two services so that by the time we know that guests, we know how we grow. We always grow in uh, the last week or two of August and, and all the way through September and October. We have a lot of growth at that time, and we wanted to make sure that when they got here that we had worked out all the kinks in these two services and we were ready to receive them. And so... I'm so thankful that you're here, and I praise the Lord for his presence and for him crowning this day. I had asked him, uh, just like last week was a marked day, closing that season in, in our church's history, uh, I asked him to make today uh, not the same, but to do the same in the presence of the Lord, to make this a memorable day uh, we walk away from. And if nothing else happened from this point on, we can say that, can't we? That the Holy Spirit is in this place and he is uh, doing works and, and marvelous things. I'm so glad you're here. I appreciate you. I want you to get your Bible turned to Acts chapter 4. If you've been following along with us for the last six weeks, we've been in a series and we finished it up last week. But it was, it was out of Acts chapter 2. And when, when I talked about that uh, last week, I, I, I specifically talked about how that at that point in time, in Acts chapter 2, the, the, Jesus had obviously already been crucified and, and spoke to the disciples, had, had been ascended, and sent, had sent the Holy Spirit. But the church at that point in Acts chapter 2 was not going through persecution. It, they were growing, they had favor with, the, with their community, uh, and they were not being specifically attacked at that point. But it's amazing how quickly things can change. Between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, there's a drastic change. Uh, the devil wakes up somewhere along chapter 3 
although chronologically it's not quite that way, is it? We were talking about different time frames. But between 2 and 4, the devil wakes up and realizes this is a movement that I need to crush. And he begins to persecute the church. And in that persecution, believers who he meant to squelch and destroy instead become excited about the message, but in fear for their life, they flee from their location. In doing so, they take the gospel with them to all of their known world. And millions of people are saved as a result of the persecution and the hardship on the early church. Every time the devil tries to destroy the church, all he does is make us more resolute and causes more and more growth and more and more revival. And so we are... We are walking down this road looking at this journey with this New Testament church and not necessarily trying to um, align, I guess, align ourselves with them but not compare ourselves to them, but to say that, that they have set an example, they have blazed a trail for us to follow and we do well to do so. And so as we walk down this road and we try to align with the things, it brings us to this message today called the prayer of God's true children. This is during a time where Saul, who would later be Paul after his conversion, but at this point he is Saul and he, is, he has papers that have given him permission to go to leave the city of Jerusalem and to go to Damascus and to other places and to literally drag Christians out of their homes and not just persecute but kill them, have them killed. And this is when this season is starting. It's, it's kicking off right here. And during this time, Peter and John have been put in connection with a crippled individual and they have, they have used the power of the Holy Spirit at their disposal to heal this man. And in doing so, they have riled up the religious leaders of the day. And these religious leaders bring them in and tell them, you can't be talking about this Jesus anymore. You're done. And they, in essence, reply back to this by saying, we're going to obey God over you, two, or over you guys. And he says, preach the gospel. And so that's what we're going to do. And so the Bible says that the leaders warned them again, but don't have enough evidence to hold them. They're released and they go back. The disciples, these two, go back to the rest of the followers. And they start recounting the events that have taken place versus... 20 through to 24 through 28 in chapter 4, record the first portion of the prayer that they pray. And in that portion of the prayer, they're reminding God of everything that has happened. They're reminding him of all that has happened to the church. But then they get to verses 29 through 31, which is what we want to look at today. And I'm reading out of the contemporary English version. It says, Lord, listen to their threats. We're your servants so make us brave enough to speak your message and show your mighty power as we heal people and work miracles and wonders in the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they had prayed, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and bravely spoke God's message. I believe this must be the prayer of God's true children. It is a different prayer than what a lot of people want to pray. It's a difficult prayer to pray. It's a dangerous prayer to pray. Because it requires a sold-out heart to God and to His will to pray it. But I believe it is the prayer of the true church. I believe it is the prayer 
that the church, wherever they are meeting, must pray in these last days because these are the last days before the return of Christ. He's going to come and get, this, get us before too long. But in this time that we have left, we are not to find ourselves a place to hide and recluse, but God has chosen us, and we'll talk a little bit more about this as we go, has chosen us for such a time as this to be a part of this end-time revival. And in doing so, it's going to change the way we pray. And I want you to take, if you, if you have a way of doing so, I want you to take notes just so you know from here on. If you like to take notes on a piece of paper and you don't have that with you, there are some out there at the, at the information desk when you're coming in each week. Just pick that up and bring it with you and then you can take your notes on that. But today, write in the margins of your Bible or, or with your phone or wherever you want to do that or maybe on your husband's arm with a pen or whatever you need to do uh, just so you don't forget these notes. Write this down. And we're going to break this down today. He says, or this, the church prays, they pray this prayer, they say, number one, Make us brave to speak. Brave enough to speak. Because the true gospel message is love and forgiveness and acceptance. Am I right? We talked a little bit about that last week. Remember last week? How that none of us can be perfect, yet we're, we're striving to be like Christ, but we can't be perfect, but we're going to go ahead and work anyway, right? But we preach that message, that gospel message that says that God is love. He loves everybody. He'll forgive everybody. He accepts everybody. If they repent of their sins. The message that is getting muddied in our generation comes from religious people that are not Christians who say that you're good enough, come as you are, you don't need to change, you don't need to repent, you don't need to do, you just come like you are, God loves you, and they say he made you like you are, he made you in that sin, and I'm telling you, God didn't make any junk, everything he made was good, the junk in our life has happened as a result of the destruction of the enemy who comes against us. God did not, God, just let me go there for a minute, God did not create drunks. God did not create drug addicts or prostitutes or homosexuals. He loves all of those people, loves them, died for them, will forgive them, accepts them. They are immediately family. There's no judgment there in all of that from us or him, but they have to repent of their sin. Now they're being told that that's not sin, that even legislation's going so far as to say that we're going to legislate so many things and just call that normal. Things that have been abnormal throughout the whole history of mankind suddenly, within the last couple of years, became normal. The message of the gospel is love and peace and joy, but it is also confrontational and unyielding. That's a message that a lot of people in our generation don't want to hear. And as we go further, they're not going to want to hear. And the true church of Jesus Christ is going to become the scourge of the earth. In our city, I'll tell you, I'll go as far to say in our city, we probably won't be welcome very long. Things are changing in our city. Despite the vote of people, it doesn't seem to matter there's a group of individuals that continue to rise up and say it doesn't matter what pe people want here or what they voted for. We're going to keep shoving this agenda down their throat until they finally get tired and go away and acquiesce. They're simply saying to the church, you can be the church as long as you stay within the walls of the church. But if you start bringing the church outside into the public, then we're going to try to squelch you much like 
these people did in our text. You can't preach this message, they said to Peter and John. And they said, we can't help it. We can't, who are we going to listen to, you or God? God says for us to bring that gospel message of peace and love and joy and confrontation. And we're going to do it. And so because of them praying that prayer, when they come back to the followers, the followers know that they have, when they pray this prayer, things are changing in their lives. They're not going to be popular. Got to understand something back in, in, in chapter 2. They were well liked because of the good things, the blessings that were following the church. People like being around them. But now, now that the enemy starts stirring things up, they're not accepted like they were. And they're about to face intense persecution. In fact, they're going to suffer a lot of pain and some of them are going to lose their lives. Yet, in spite of that, their prayer changes Our prayer today so many times is this. We prayed it innocently, but we prayed it incorrectly because we have prayed, oh God, make people like me. Oh God, protect us. Oh God, don't let anything happen to us or anyone we love and we'll serve you. Now if you let bad things happen, we'll be angry with you, Lord, and we'll question and wonder why you let these bad things happen. God said, that's not the prayer that I want to hear from you. The prayer I want to hear from you is, Lord, I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. I'll live or die as unto you. But as long as I have breath on this planet and can speak, I'm going to proclaim your message. I'm going to proclaim it as you wrote it. I'm not going to change it. I don't have the right. I'm going to preach it in love, but I'm going to preach it in boldness. And if I live, I live. And if I die, I die. And if I die, it'll just get better. But God, I'm asking you to make me brave enough to preach it, not brave enough to hide from it. I'm not asking you anymore, Lord, to make me accepted by the world because the world can't accept me. It's like light and dark clashing. They cannot accept me. They can't accept me. If they accept me, it means I become like them. I can't help them if I'm like them. I've got to be separate. I've got to be different. I've got to be peculiar. I've got to be something different. The Spirit of God will make us something different from the world that the world will either want and be attracted to like we talked about a week or two ago, or else it will cause them to completely hate us and try to get rid of us to shut that message down because people either acquiesce to conviction or else they try to squelch it one or the other. People that don't want to give their heart to Christ want to do anything they can to stop hearing about it. We're going to have to change our prayer, church. God, make us brave. Instead of God, keep me safe. Instead of God, make me popular. God, make me brave enough to speak your message even if it costs me my life. Adrian Rogers told about a man who bragged that he had he'd cut off the, the, the tail of a man-eating lion with a pocket knife. And they said, well, why didn't you cut off his head? And he said, well, somebody already had done that. We need to understand that it's going to take bravery for us to do something in this generation I can't stress it enough, and I know I'm speaking to a quiet crowd, but I'm going to tell you something. This world is doing everything it can through every form of media and every type of politics and every form of, 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 of persuasion to dilute the purity of the cross and to make us accepting of things 
that God says will not enter into heaven. And if we truly love people, we'll have to be brave enough to tell them the truth. And that's not going to make us popular. They said, make us brave to tell the truth. And secondly, show us your mighty power. Show us your mighty power. Gregory in 8381, he wrote about Jesus. He began his ministry by being hungry, yet he's the bread of life. He ended his earthly ministry by being thirsty, yet he's the living water. He was weary, yet he's our rest. He, he paid tribute, yet he is the king. He was accused of having a demon, yet he cast out demons. And he wept, yet he wipes away our tears. He was sold for 30 pieces of silver, yet he redeemed the world. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, yet he's the good shepherd. He died, yet by his death, he destroyed the power of death. The power of death is broken. And it's not just the power of death that is broken, but any other power that would come against the, 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 the gospel of Christ is broken. There is no power that can come against the kingdom of God. Jesus told the disciples, he said, I'm going away, and I'm gonna, if I go away, I'm going to send a comforter, and he's going to come, the Holy Spirit, and he's going he's to indwell you, and he's going to be with you. And he said, I want you to understand something. All power in heaven is given to me, and I am giving that to you. I wish you'd let that get in your spirit a minute. Jesus, who is God, Son of God, says all power, heaven, earth, between, any, all universes, all power is given to me by my Father, and I am giving that power to you. And so the church prayed, God, show us your mighty power. Show us your mighty power. What does that look like? I love to walk on down through Acts. And I, as I keep on reading the chapters from there on down, I keep seeing how that, that it got in the spirit. That this word that Jesus gave got into the spirit of these apostles and these disciples. And Peter and John and Stephen and Philip. And later on you see where Bartholomew or Barnabas, different ones. All of them go out doing the works that Jesus said we do. Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do. And what did Jesus do? He heals the sick, he casts out demons, he raised the dead, he saves the lost. All of these things he does. Then he says, you'll do greater. I'm, my power is in you, you're going to do greater works than these. So that's what the church should be doing, folks. I, I make that point, I want you to understand. It, it, it's not abnormal for you to use the power that's, at, at, that's available to you to raise the sick and, or raise the, the dead and heal the sick and cast out demons. That's not abnormal for you to do that. That's normal because that's what Jesus said you would do. So you say, wow, it's crazy. I, I saw the pastor give a message in tongues or I saw the pastor give a word of knowledge or, or I saw the pastor uh, lay hands on somebody and they got healed. That's awesome. Wait a minute. It's not about the pastor. That's something that all of us are to do because Jesus said we would. They said, God, show us your mighty power. Show us. That wasn't just Peter and John. That was all of the followers who were gathered there together. 
Show us your, make us brave enough to speak and show us your mighty power. And so then the, the, the persecution came. These people that prayed that prayer took off fleeing for their lives all over the place. But as they went, they're sharing the gospel and they're doing it in the power and the might of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you something. It's awesome for you to have the opportunity to witness to somebody at work. But that steps up five notches whenever they have a headache and you pray for them and they get healed instantly and then you start ministering to them. Huh? Or if there's somebody, there's somebody that down the street that, that's saying, you know what, I used to serve the Lord years ago, but I haven't been in church in a long time. And recently I got cancer. And, I, and you say, well, hey, and you just lay hands on them and God heals them from cancer. Now you want to go to church with me? I, I think I might. Signs and wonders are to the unbeliever. Those are things that the things that we see here so many times are great. I love it. I want that to continue, but that's not what it's all about. These are the things that are supposed to be happening out there. In your going, make disciples. Pastor, it's hard to make disciples. It is hard to make disciples, but it's a whole lot easier whenever people say, man, I, I just wish that Stephen Magner would walk by here and his shadow would fall on me so I would be healed. Well, that couldn't happen. Tell Peter. And who is Peter? You said, well, he's a great early church father. Yeah, he's the guy that denied Jesus three times. I could never do something like that. Why? Because you're worse than Peter? If you're as good as Peter, then that means that you could walk along if God so chose and the shadow as you walk along could fall upon somebody that would suddenly be healed. If God wants to show his mighty power. You don't have to get a famous evangelist to come here in order for you to receive healing or for you to receive something that you need from God. You are the church operating under the mighty power. Show us your mighty power. And they said, do your work through Jesus in us. How do, you, how do I get that? Look at the last part. As we heal people and work miracles and wonders in the name of your holy servant Jesus. They said, first of all, make us brave to speak your message. And then do your work through us. As we heal. Now we can't heal. We know that. But we do know that he can heal. And he can use us to do it. We simply become a, a, a channel. Of, of his purpose. I'm not talking about channeling now. For those of you that come from the occult. Came out of that part of. of every, I'm not talking about channeling. But I am saying. That under the, under the power of the Holy Spirit. We simply become a conduit of power. That the Holy Spirit can come upon you. You can't heal anybody. You can't raise anybody from the dead. You can't do it. But when the Holy Spirit says to you, go over and lay hands on that individual and say specifically this to them. And you're like, what? And he says, lay hands on them or don't. Whatever he says, but you do it. You become a conduit through which the Holy Spirit has chosen to flow. Could he do it without you? Sure. Why doesn't he? Because he wants to let you be a part. It's more fun. And plus, it's a sign to the unbeliever. So that's why he lets you. So you say, well, I've got to be really super spiritual. Or I have to go to Bible college. Or I'm going to have to have a, a PhD in, in theology. No. No. 
you have to be a Jesus-loving disciple. Prayed up, full of the Holy Spirit, walking in His power, and then you become a lightning rod of power to the world. Uh, Isn't that awesome? And He chooses to do that so many different ways. I've been amazed over the years of watching how the Holy Spirit does that. Sometimes, some, sometimes the Holy Spirit would say, pray for somebody. I walk over to pray for them, go put my hand on them, the Holy Spirit say, don't touch them. I'm like, you told me to pray for them. Yeah, but I didn't tell you to touch them. Why don't you want me to touch them? He said, because I'm going to. And I don't want them to think it was you. And I've seen powerful things happen before just, just walking down just walking by somebody extending a hand that direction and never touching them and the Holy Spirit would would hit them and do miraculous changes and things in their life. Other times the Holy Spirit says do lay hands on them. Do do lay hands. That's even scriptural. Do lay hands on them. But we we listen and we obey the Holy Spirit. It's what it says that we're here that we're here to do. We're to, we're here to be believing for healing and miracles and wonders. God shows himself still to this world in these ways because he knows that this is, that this is what it's going to take. It's, it's been that way forever. It's not like human beings have changed over the last 6,000 years. We've always been the same way. We respond to the supernatural. It's always been like that. So God continues to use the supernatural to encourage us and to heal us and save us and call us and equip us and guide us and direct us and all the things that he does. So we're praying that prayer, God, do your work through me in Jesus' name. Use me to heal the sick. Use me to cast out devils. Use me to lead people to you. That's the mission of everyone who is the child of God. It's the mission of the church. I want to remind you. I'm about to conclude this, but I want to remind you of what Peter and John did after they received their reprimand from the religious leaders. I want you to notice something about this in this passage. They didn't go back and pack their bags to leave and pray to God to help them get away. Which is the normal thing that we would do. If somebody had threatened your life and said, if you do it again, if you do it again, you're going to end up like, you're going to end up like what we're going to do to James. We're going to cut his head off. You, you, you do it again, it's not going to be good for you. What are you going to do? You're looking for somebody to let you down a basket on the outside of the wall, right? Some of you look at me funny. So they had to do Paul. They're going to kill you, Paul. So, well, I don't think it's time for me to die yet. So they let him down a basket on the side of the wall and he sneaks off. Sometimes it's what you have to do. But that's not what they're doing in this case. They didn't pack their bags and ask God to help them get away. We can't throw up a white flag and pray to get out of here. Here's a statement I left with the early, the early group this morning. I'm going to leave it with you. Write this down. Get it in your spirit. We are the church that God has chosen to be here now in these last days. You are here right now. Out of all the years that man has been on this planet, you could have been born at any time, but God chose to put you here right now. That's kind of special, isn't it? Why did he choose you for now? I don't know. I can't answer that. But I know this is your prayer to pray. In the praying of this prayer, 
in the committing of yourself to this word, you'll find out. You're here for a special reason. A special reason. Be strong. Be courageous. Take the battle to the enemy. Get full of the Holy Spirit. Go to work for God. You're one of God's true children, so I want you to pray like it. I want you to work like it, and I want you to act like it. I am one of his true children. I don't mean for us to be arrogant about that. I don't want us to to be that way at all. Won't be, you wouldn't be accepted if you're that way anyway. You know people that have puffed out their chest and tried to be arrogant about it, walk around and hit people with their Bible. You know how, how well that works. That's not what we're being asked to do, but we're, asked, we're being asked to be filled with the Spirit and then to go out and live our lives among people and love them, but tell them the truth even if it doesn't make you popular anymore because you're not here to be popular You're here to be an ambassador. You're here to bring people to Christ. You don't have to save them. You're just supposed to bring them to him. Bring them to him. He'll save them. He'll take care of all the rest of that. But bring them to him. That's our purpose. People say, Pastor, I'm trying to figure out what God wants me to do with my life. Well, I don't know where he wants you to work where he wants you to make money, but I'll promise you, here's his purpose for your life. He wants you to be a part of this New Testament church bringing in souls for the last days. I can promise you that's your purpose. Whatever that means, whether you do that while you're working down here at Raising Canes or, or Hobby Lobby or if you're over at the University of Arkansas or if you're working in this church or wherever it is that you're at, or if, you, if you're finished working, you're retired, and you just, you're just a witness there in the area where you live, whatever that looks like, whatever that means, you still have a purpose because if you didn't, you'd be gone. God is wanting to use your life today or you'd be gone. When he's finished with you, he'll graduate you on to something a whole lot better. But in the meantime, let's pray that prayer. God, make us brave enough to speak. Show us your mighty power and use me to do your mighty work through the name of Jesus. That's a prayer that the church, the true church has to pray. It's a little different than what we wanted to pray, but that's the prayer we got to pray. Lord, I ask you right now in Jesus' name to let this word soak into our heart, into our spirit. Help us to receive this word. Help us, God, to be able to Let this soak into the sponge of our mind and heart. The principles of it, let let us glean these things, I pray. Lord, I know this week you're wanting to do awesome things in people's lives all around us that we would miss if we weren't ready, if we weren't praying, if we weren't conscious about it. Because, God, we walk by people every single day that are crying out to you, that need your help. And you're wanting to use us to help those people. I pray we won't miss that. Make us brave enough to speak. Brave enough to pray. Brave enough to live a godly model. Show us your mighty power. Let us be your church. Let us be your hands and your feet and your eyes, your ears, your lips. Let us be that conduit through which your spirit flows pray this in Jesus name if that's your prayer now I want you during this song I want you just to find a place 
around these altars, around these chairs. Sometimes we get up and we walk around. I don't care wherever you want to, but we always turn this into a house of prayer. At the end of the service, we want to pray and we want to let the word, we want to commit the word to our spirit. We want to pray about it. We want to ask God about it. And we want to listen to God and see what he says to us about that. So during this song, I want you to take this word to your heart and I want you to find a place. I want you to just listen to the Holy Spirit for a few minutes and see what he says to you to do. This week, he's going to point you to somebody, more than likely somebody this week, he's going to point you to and give you an opportunity to share something with. Either he's going to tell you to pray for them or he's going to tell you to give them a, a to witness to them or give them a word or, or to encourage them or he may tell you to go mow their lawn. I don't know, but he's going to tell you something this week. And whatever it is that he tells you, I want you to be prepared for that. And this is the time we're going to, we're just going to spend a few minutes in prayer here and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our heart and prepare us for what he wants us to do this week in the time to come. God bless you.